0: Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Every time a little boy went to a playmate's house, he found the friend's grandmother deeply engrossed in her Bible. Finally, his curiosity got the better of him. Why do you suppose your grandmother reads the Bible so much, he asked. I'm not sure, said his friend, but I think she's cramming for her finals. (laughs) Uh, I'm Jono, and when I'm up here, I'm usually able to hide behind a guitar or a keyboard. Um, Unfortunately, no such luck today. Uh, I'm kicking off our new summer series on people of the Old Testament, and today we're going to be taking a brief look at Joshua. Now, Joshua's had quite an impact on my life, and actually one of the main reasons I'm in the UK today is thanks to Joshua. Uh, He's also one of the main reasons I'm currently unemployed, um, but more on that later. So who was Joshua? Well, Joshua was a, a military leader and is arguably one of the greatest army generals in human history. He's probably best known for leading the Israelites out of the wilderness, over the Jordan River, and into the promised land of Canaan. There were a few more people, I think, uh, I couldn't get an exact number of Israelites, between hundreds hundreds of thousands and millions, Um, but unfortunately, that's the only photo I could find. Uh, His life was marked by three distinct characteristics. Faith, wisdom, and courage. Now I was going to take each of these characteristics and give you an example from his life where he displayed each of these uh, each of these characteristics. But the more I studied the life of Joshua, the more I saw that actually every situation he faced, uh, these three things were baked into his his life. So faith, wisdom, and courage, words that we hear quite a lot in particularly in church circles. Um, what do they mean? Well, I've taken a stab at, at defining them um, based on some definitions I've, I found online and also looking at the life of, of Joshua. So faith, ultimate conviction that God is who he says he is and will fulfill the promises that he's made. Ultimate conviction that God is who he says he is and will fulfill the promises he's made. Wisdom, the ability to understand life from God's perspective and see the whole truth of a situation. The ability to understand life from God's perspective and see the whole truth of a situation. hopefully that'll make more sense as we, we dive into his life. And lastly, courage, confidence, boldness, and perseverance, particularly in the face of adversity. Confidence, boldness, and perseverance, particularly in the face of adversity. So I'm gonna take three significant moments of Joshua's life and show where these characteristics were on display. So we're gonna look at the spies in the wilderness, Numbers 13, crossing, crossing the Jordan, beginning of Joshua, and the fall of Jericho, uh, Joshua five, I think it's actually Joshua six. Uh, we're gonna be reading a lot of scripture, uh, so have your Bibles ready, but there are the words also gonna be on the screen for you to follow along. So let's kick off with the spies in the wilderness. And turn to Numbers 14. And while you do that, uh, I'm going to give a bit of a history of Joshua. So Joshua was born actually as Hosea in Egypt. He was born into slavery when the Israelites were, were in slavery. And we find out just before this in Numbers 13 that Moses changed his name to Joshua or Yeshua, uh, meaning the Lord is salvation. And we obviously, it's a, it's a clue there that Joshua is a, um, a symbol of Jesus, um, and as we read through his life and his story, um, just keep that in the back of your mind. So he would have grown up in slavery, he would have been part of uh, the Israelites' exodus out of Egypt and into the wilderness, and he became Moses' right-hand man. In Numbers 11, again, just before this, it says that he was Moses' assistant since his youth. About two years after they've fled Egypt, they're in the wilderness, we come to Numbers 13, and God says to Moses that he's giving the Israelites the the land of Canaan, so the promised land, and that he should send 12 spies into the land to kind of suss out what's going on there. So he takes uh, one person from each of the the tribes of Israel, and they go into the land, and for 40 days they, they spy it out, they suss out what's going on there. And they come back with this report. They say the land is flowing with milk and honey. They bring back fruit that, that everyone can try. Um, the problem is that they're giants in the land, and the towns are heavily fortified. And this spreads to the disgruntled Israelite camp, and that's where we, we join uh, Numbers 14, chapter 1, uh, num- chapter 14, verse 1 to 4. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country, only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. So it goes on to say that um, God is so upset with the Israelites' unbelief that he banishes them into the wilderness for 40 years. So that's one year for every day that they they were spying the land. The 10 other spies get struck down and die, and Moses is never allowed to enter the promised land. This is our first encounter with Joshua, and it's a vivid image of his faith in the face of the fearful Israelites. You know, they, the Israelites wanted to go back into slavery because they were so petrified of, of what was on the other side of the, of the Jordan River. Remember, faith is the ultimate conviction that God is who he says he is and will fulfill the promises that he's made to his people. He also shows here incredible godly wisdom. No one in the crowd said that they were choosing fear. They all probably thought that they were actually choosing wisdom, the thing is, fear often masquerades as wisdom. The spies, they didn't come back with lies. They actually came back with the truth. That's what they saw in the land. The problem is, they it wasn't the whole truth. It was missing what God had said. Joshua and Caleb knew that what they saw was not superior to what God had said. You see, if we feed our hearts on just the facts, we will never recognize that we're living in fear and be people that move in great wisdom. To quote uh, Bill Johnson, if you move in fear, all your friends will call you wise. You just won't move any mountains. It takes courage to confront and face what God has put in front of us. Joshua knew that God was giving them this land, and he stood up to the Israelites in faith, wisdom, and courage. But he had to wait another 40 years before he saw that promise realized. Uh, It's it's often easy to easy to read these biblical stories and think you know in hindsight you can look at Joshua's life he lived for 110 years, Um, but when you think about it 40 years is is a long time. Uh, I'm 32, um, so I'm not even quite at 40. And um, it's it's yeah. So I I, you know if there any if there any promises in your life that God's spoken over you that you're waiting on, um, take courage and. you know we can uh, we can have empathy with with Joshua, who for forty years had to wait for this promise to be realised. But finally, God calls him up. So the next uh, next thing we're going to be looking at is him crossing the Jordan with the the Israelites. So if you turn turn to Joshua, chapter one, and again the the word should come up, and we're going to dive straight into Joshua chapter one. After the death of Moses the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I've given you, from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous, Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the left or to the right. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'm sure if you, if you grew up in church, you'll recognize a lot of those verses as, as memory verses um, or from kids songs. <clears throat> so here we see that God is finally fulfilling his promise to Abraham all those years ago. And Joshua is called up. But it's a very tense situation here. Moses, who's led the people for 40 years, has died, and Joshua is a fairly unproven leader. They know it's not going to be a walk in the park, and that there are fierce tribes and their giants awaiting them on the other side. God commands Joshua to be strong and courageous three times here. The amazing thing about God's commandments is that God cannot command anything from us that he knows that we cannot achieve. The power and the strength for Joshua to be courageous is actually in the command that God gives him. In the same way, if I commanded you to hike up Everest tomorrow, um, that would be probably a very unkind thing to do because uh, I imagine most of you won't be able to do that tomorrow. Um, but when God commands anything from us, he, in that commandment is the power to, to achieve what he's commanded us. That's God's kindness. He doesn't just command it, but he gives us the strength to achieve it too. So Joshua tells all the Israelites the plan. In three days, we're gonna cross the Jordan River. They trust him and they spread the word. But before we get onto the crossing of of the actual Jordan River, there's a little interlude in in Joshua 2 about Rahab the prostitute. So Joshua sends two spies into the land again, and Rahab, a prostitute, welcomes the spies. She ends up hiding them from the soldiers. And amazingly, she believes that God is, is handing uh, Jericho over to the Israelites. It moves God's heart so much that Rahab has, has faith in God, that Rahab and her family are saved when they take Jericho, and um, yeah, they're, they're safe. But even more amazingly, and a crazy image of, of, of faith, is that Rahab becomes part of the lineage of Jesus. Hebrews 11:6 says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I'd go even further to say that we see time and time again in the Bible and, and also through our own lives that God is attracted to men and women of faith. Faith moves the heart of God. He, he was so moved by Rahab's faith that not only did he save her and her family, but uh, she became part of the, the lineage of Jesus and God's salvation plan. Okay, end of the interlude. We're going into crossing the Jordan. So they all pack up and they go to the banks of the Jordan River to to camp, ready to cross. And they know that they're going to cross the river. God said, you know, get ready. But God hasn't told them how yet. So they don't know how they're going to cross. But still they go in faith and they camp on the banks. God often doesn't give us the full picture of the master plan. You know, how often do we want God to to tell us, you know, what's going to happen in the future? Uh, He gives us just enough to get us to the next leg of the journey, um, the next resting place. Jesus' words in the Lord's prayer were, give us today our daily bread. Not our yearly bread or our, you know, until retirement bread, um, but our our daily bread, you know. And I, I often find myself... You know, wanting to have more of the picture and and wanting to kind of rest on myself and my my own understanding, but that's not the way of faith. Um, You know, Joshua is commanded to meditate on the scripture day and night, and that's the only way that he would be successful. So we need to rely on God every single day. That's what he gives us daily bread, daily trust, daily provision. So we continue here the story, Joshua 3. And verse seven, the Lord told Joshua, today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I'm with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream, and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. The priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was a harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan and the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. About nine years ago, I was living in Cape Town and um, I came over to the UK actually for, for David's tent. Um, and I had 72 hours of worship, had a lot of time worshiping God in, in this amazing environment. And while I was there, I, I really started to sense that God was calling me to, to the UK. Um, and I went back to, to Cape Town. I had a very lovely life. Um, this is Cape Town, um, as you can see, beautiful. And I was working as a software developer. Uh, all my family were there. Um, and I kind of yeah, I went back, and I spent the year you know cracking on with my life. And in the back of my head, I, I kind of had the sense that God was calling me to the UK, but... Had kind of forgotten about it. Um, a year later, I came back again for David's tent, and once again, I was I was really challenged in in this worship environment. God was saying, "You know, I'm calling you to to the UK." And it was about this time that God was highlighting Joshua to me in the story and life of Joshua. Um, I'm I'm sure you've all experienced this, where you know God's trying to tell you something in in every sermon and every podcast every person who prays for you, uh, everyone you speak to, the, the, you know, the story of Joshua was, was coming up. And really this, these chapters around Joshua crossing the, the Jordan River was, was the thing that God was highlighting the most for me. And there were three things that, that God was telling me about this, this story. The first one is that I saw the Israelites were commanded to step into this raging overflowing river before God stops the flow of the river. And it was only once they had stepped out in faith into the river did they see the miracle happen. Uh, about the, the same time, a few few months after David's tent, I was at Niagara Falls and I was standing uh, at the like where the river feeds into the falls, and I was just seeing the, the the power and intensity of this this raging river, and I was thinking about Joshua and and this. This act, the faith of stepping into this raging river, and and knowing that if I'd done that, I'd have been carried off very quickly down the river. Um, but obviously, we see from this that that there's something that happens in that step of faith that actually activates the miracle. We we often want to see God move, and then I step out in faith. But again, that's not how God works. The second thing that that I I um. God was showing me is that they, they showed immense wisdom by leading with the Ark of the Covenant. God God said, lead with the Ark of the Covenant. Um, at the time, it, it housed the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments, and uh, it was the physical manifestation of God's presence and, and supreme power. Um, it was actually interesting that David's tent in this amazing worship environment where we really felt the presence of God was when God started calling me to, to the UK and I started actually hearing him. So I started, back in Cape Town, I started, you know, worshiping more. I started having long walks on the beach, me, me and God. I, I worked quite quite near the beach. So I spent many lunch breaks uh, with the Bible uh, on the beach, just seeking God, um, getting close to him and pursuing his, his presence because I knew that, that that's what he was telling me to do, the story of Joshua. And then thirdly, once they'd crossed the Jordan, Joshua got the twelve tribes to collect twelve stones and erect them as a as a monument to God in the middle of the the river on the, the dry dry river. And again, this is this is a sign that that God is faithful. And for the generations to come, they'll they'll look at these stones and know the miracle that was performed here. Um, you know, obviously similar to to the Red Sea crossing. So I started documenting the process that that God was. Um, doing in me at the time, the, the words that were being spoken over me, the Bible verses that I was reading, and um, documenting all my journal. And, and I knew that this would be a reminder one day to look back and know the, the faithfulness um, and the, the presence of God at the time. Um, yeah, so basically I, I worshipped, I sought the Lord, and I stepped out into the unknown. I, I quit my job at the time, and I moved over to the UK, moved to rural Sussex with no real plan at all. Um, and it's not, it wasn't at all what I expected, um, I'm now seven years later. Um, one of the, one of the biggest, uh, kind of fears that I had leaving Cape Town was, was finding a wife. Um, and I, I was moving to rural Sussex where there's a lot of older generation. Um, and amazingly, I, I moved to the UK and in the same month I met Sophia, who's now my wife, who's somewhere around with our amazing, beautiful daughter, Lily, um, and yeah, so I, I thought when I was coming over to the UK that the promised land for me was all about worship ministry and songwriting, and um, that's kind of what I thought God was calling me to. But actually, uh, God has, has called me into so much greater freedom and wholeness in the last seven years that I could ever imagine, um, and I've realized it was never about the, the things I thought it was about, but... Um, I could I could spend a lot of time talking about that, but I, I won't. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, crossing the Jordan River. We're going to go into the last uh, last piece of of Joshua's life, which is the fall of Jericho. So they've crossed over the Jordan River, and they're now on the land of Canaan. And I used to think, uh, looking at the the story of Joshua, that the Jordan River was really like the pinnacle of his life. Um, and then, you know, once they crossed, they were in the promised land and it was, you know, glorious um, resting place for them. But it turns out that after that, Joshua led a, a seven year conquest for the land of Canaan and really where he became this uh, this military leader. So Joshua 6, verse 12, uh, 6 to 12, rather, spells out these battles. And it starts with two. Contrasting battles of Jericho, which is where the Israelites were uh, obedient to God, and, and God showed His faithfulness by giving them Jericho, um, and the battle of Ai, which is where Israel were disobedient, um, and they ended up losing that battle. Um, for time's sake, we're not going to go into that, but we're going to we're going to quickly look at the battle of Jericho, and um, again look at Joshua's faith, wisdom, and courage in this situation. So Joshua six verses 1. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or come in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So, uh, first, I just want to mention that in, in Numbers 10, they talk a bit about the the horn and the trumpets and... Um, it says that the trumpets will remind your God of his covenant with you. I am the Lord your God. So there's there's symbolism in the in the trumpet sound. Um yeah, so, so they they God tells him to walk around the, the city of Jericho for seven days. And obviously, we see once again Joshua's extraordinary faith, his wisdom, and his courage to do what, what God told him to do, even though it must have seemed crazy to him. Just imagine a, a military leader, a strong general, telling his people to, to walk around the city and that's how they were gonna defeat this um, the, the city of, of Jericho. But not only was he one of the world's greatest military leaders, he also trusted God wholeheartedly. We have to be attentive to what God is saying, meditating on his word day and night, be led by the presence of God and maybe do seemingly crazy things, step out in faith and wisdom, an immense courage that God is giving us to see miraculous works in our lives. You can imagine that they didn't just you know, march around once and the walls fell, they had to march around and then you know, go to sleep and the next day they got up and did this crazy thing again, seven times. Um, but once again, we see the, the faith that they displayed, God performing a miracle. So that's, that's Joshua. Uh, we've seen his immense faith, wisdom and courage displayed throughout his life. He listened to the Lord, he trusted in what he said and he stepped out in courage and in boldness. He was an incredible man of God. But the amazing thing and the overarching story is not just about Joshua, but really about God's incredible faithfulness to his covenant promises and to his people. God didn't let Joshua down once, and even though the Israelites were so disobedient, he remained utterly faithful to his people. I'll say that again. God didn't let Joshua down once. Every single time he stepped out in faith, he trusted God. God provided the miracle for him and the Israelites. And even though the Israelites were disobedient, they were grumbling you know, throughout the 40 years and, and even beyond, God still remained utterly faithful to his people. You can have absolute assurance that God is who he says he is and that he will be faithful to you in the promises that he has spoken over your life because that is what He is like. I'm gonna invite the band to come up. Uh, Joshua ends with this amazing speech to the Israelites and at the end of Joshua, chapter 24. And it's a warning to the Israelites, but it's also... A warning and an encouragement to us here today in, in modern day London. So I read this, it's, it's chapter 4, verse 14. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What a great ending to the the life and story of Joshua that he remained faithful right from, you know, being enslaved in Egypt, coming into the, the wilderness and then into the promised land, taking the land of Canaan, um, and right at the end of his life, he's he's still saying, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So we, we're going to go into time of ministry. Do you want to stand? Um, and let's just use this opportunity to, to respond to what, what God might be saying to you this morning um, through his word. And I think there, there are potentially four different groups of people, maybe, maybe more, but um, as I was preparing and praying these are is what i sense so firstly maybe you just need to hear those those words at the start of Joshua 1 be strong and very courageous in in the season that you're in right now and know that that the command to be strong and to be very courageous is uh, god is giving you the the strength and the power to actually do that sec the second group of people maybe that, that sense of stepping out in faith into the unknown, um, into the, the raging Jordan rivers before you see the miracle that, you know, God has promised you. Um, I mentioned at the beginning that, that I'm unemployed. I, a few weeks ago, uh, our company were, were doing a whole round of layoffs and I got offered a role to, to stay on at the company. And it was actually at the same time, I was kind of thinking about this talk and, um, God was just reminding me of this idea of stepping out in faith. And I I really just felt him say, you know, step out into the unknown and you'll find the the dry ground. Um, So, yeah, I think two weeks ago, I I kind of was was made redundant and I'm currently unemployed, um, seeking God for what's next. But, yeah, maybe that's you. Maybe you need to step out in faith. Um, That's not a a warning or advice to quit your job, but um, maybe it is. Uh, the third group of people, so maybe you, you want to construct an altar to God. Maybe you're in a, a great season and you're seeing the faithfulness uh, of God. Maybe he's, he's doing miracles in your life and you want to c- construct that, that altar of stones to, to say, you know, this is a reminder that God is faithful um, and he will do what he's promised. And lastly, maybe today is, is a day that you're choosing who to serve in a city that promotes wealth, greed, perfection, progress, who will you serve? As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So if that's you, if, if you want to, you know, come forward, we're going to go into some worship. If you want prayer, if you don't want prayer, um, if you feel like it's just an act of, of stepping forward, um, or if there's, you know, anything else that you, you want prayer for, we're, we're all around here. Um, but let's just respond to God, respond to, to what He's he's been saying to you through through this um, this morning.